0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. In my opinion, there's four um, <clears throat> categories, basic m- movie themes for Christmas movies, and one is the classics. They, the, they can just go un. They, c- they cannot be touched. Like you, you can't redo them. You can't compete with them, and they're just going to always be. And when I was a kid, I don't know if you guys who are not kids around here might re- remember this, but all the special the the great Christmas specials that used to come out were always on CBS and they would always do that thing where it, it, it spins the word special and it goes doo, 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 doo. and then when, when that happens like you know you're about to watch this amazing show and so that was like how all the Christmas specials were when I was a kid. So there, the, the classics are, are one important category of Christmas movie and then the next category has this theme the main character somehow goes against the grain, and whether that's that they're a misfit or they're just like super duper naughty, and that gets them separated from their people. And then, because they get separated, like they accidentally stumble upon some wild adventure. And on that adventure, all these crazy things happen that help them realize all their shortcomings, but then at some point, they realize. Man, my things that I thought weren't good about me actually are good about me. They're my superpower, right? And you guys have seen those movies. And then the the, the adventure always gets them back, reconnecting to their family or their people. So there's like a whole bunch of those movies. You guys don't even need to watch any Christmas movies after I explain these to you because I've covered it all. The next category sounds like this. A successful, overachieving businesswoman who works in a sky rise in a big city, is engaged to a CEO in the fashion industry, somehow gets pried against her will to go grudgingly share a quick holiday with her family in the boondocks. She happens to meet a, a flannel shirt-wearing man who, who is a hilljack who has never met a woman who is single in his entire life. And after several disastrous encounters, he somehow accidentally comes and whisks her off her feet like a knight in shining armor. There's, there's a whole bunch of those. Almost all of them are on Hallmark, yeah. Dennis's favorite channel. And by the way, there needs to be a part two to those movies called Ghosted in Manhattan, where... You get to the month of April, it finally rolls around, and the busy CEO remembers that his fiancé forgot to come back after Christmas. And now you he realize he's out a woman and a huge diamond ring, so he calls on the next woman on his speed dial. So that's, that's part two. Uh, and then the fourth category is that there's, this, there's always, it's an, always an idiot man. It's always a man, idiot man who messes everything up. And, and then he it's blunder after blunder, and then finally, after his biggest blunder of all, somehow he saves Christmas Day for everybody. So, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of those movies. I just told you, all the Christmas movies out there, except for the, the nativity ones, which that's the best kind, right? So there you go. You guys don't have to watch any more TV this season. I covered it all for you. And for some reason, Hollywood thinks that that Christmas always has to have a story of of it being a disaster that somebody needs to save Christmas, and that's pretty wild like why why is that always the theme that was some that Christmas is a disaster we've got to get somebody to save christmas and the the fact is we we need to remember that really Christmas is about Christmas saving us amen so so <clears throat> There's a lot of amazing things about Christmas, but we just need to always remember what it's really all about. And it is at Christmas. It's not. It's not just that Christmas is the season for gifts. Christmas is the gift. Christmas is God's gift to us. It's He. 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 He loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen. So Christmas is the gift. It is. It's, it's not just about a season. It's about God giving himself to us. Amen? Amen. And I want to talk to you this morning about um, what, what I believe to be God's lens that he saw Christmas through. And I, I want to actually take us back to the book of Exodus. And and this is going to actually, we're going to talk about Moses for a couple minutes here. But I want you to think about Exodus and, and um, God's people, the Israelites, were in Egypt for about 400 years. It started off a good thing, but over time, um, the, the pharaohs began to forget who Joseph was, God's prince, right? And so they, they forgot who Joseph was. They forgot who the God of Israel was. or the, the, They weren't called the God of Israel yet, but the Jewish God, okay? They forgot who that was, and then they became evil, And they began to um, bring the Israelites into captivity, and they made them slaves. And God's blessing is always on his people. And so even when the worst of things were happening to them, God kept blessing them, and they kept multiplying, and they kept increasing in number. And the more that they increased, the more the Pharaoh got nervous because they were going to outnumber his people, right? So he he had to press down all the harder on them. And so in Egypt, um, they, were, they were captive in Egypt. They were, they were in a nation that, that was known for worshiping false gods, but we need to understand that what it really was was they were worshiping demons. They were worshiping demonic principalities, okay? Pr- the principalities and rulers of the air of their, of their area and their culture, so satanic c- cultures, what, what this was. And they, they were so satanic, so evil, that it was normal practice for them to, to even do human sacrifices to their gods. We're talking dark and evil, amen? All right, so, so Israel was slaves to the Egyptian rulers, and they were burdened by impossible loads. They were beaten and treated unfairly. A very cruel treatment. It says that the, the, the Egyptians made their lives bitter with hard bondage. So they, they tried to just make their lives miserable and force them to do all the work for them. I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that the pyramids were probably built by Israelites. I don't know. But I know that they did use them to build a lot of their kingdom. And it also says all their service in which they made them serve – was with rigor, which means harshness, violence, and severity. And so the pharaoh at that time was so threatened by God's blessing on the people and on, on the multiplication that he decided that he, he wanted to institute a rule that he was going to have them start killing all the firstborn babies that came. So there, there was mass murder. It was, it was infanticide, okay, okay nationwide for the, for the Israelites. And they, and so they, they tried to get the women, the, 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 the midwives, thank you, to make the other midwives kill the firstborn sons. If it was a girl, we're good. If it was a boy, kill them off. And they didn't do it, thank God, right? They didn't do it. But, but what we see in this story is a natural picture it, of of a it's a prophetic picture of what the spirit realm looks like. Okay? It's it's a picture of the the fallen world and the in a world that's under satanic rule, darkness, kingdom of darkness and the slavery that the that satan has brought mankind into. Okay? You guys see that? And so In heaven, God starts hearing the cries of the people. He's hearing the cries of the people, and his heart's moved. And in Exodus 2, 23 through 25, it says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. Everybody say, God hears, God hears us. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Everybody say, God remembers his covenants. Remembers his covenant. Amen. And it says, God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Say that. God looked upon his people. God acknowledged his people. Amen. Amen. So he, he looked upon his people. He's in heaven. He's hearing the cries of people and their brokenness and their pain. And his heart's moved. He's he he, he looks from heaven into earth and he he beholds his people. He looked upon them. So he set his attention on them. It set it, the, the the definition of that word word means that he discerned his people. So he was actually taking the time to not just to, to glance at or to look out from a distance, but literally to. Get a deep close look at what's going on with his people. And, and God is paying attention. He's paying attention to the world. He's not in heaven just trying to do the you know the, the Christian thing up there and separate and, and removed. He 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 sees what's going on in the world. He cares about what's going on in the world. And guess what? He cares for you. Amen. He's looking at you, he's paying attention to you, and he cares, all right? And it says he, he looked upon his children, the children of Israel, and he acknowledged his children. That word acknowledged in the Hebrew is yada, and it's the same word that throughout the whole Testament when it, says, when it talks about knowing something, that word yada, it, it doesn't just mean to know by information, it means to know by an experiential and heartfelt connection to something. All right, it's a, it's a deep, intimately acquainted kind of an, a connection to a thing. So it's, it's not just knowing it by head, it's experiencing it from the heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. And so in, in a lot of people, when they say the word yada, they want to make sure that we know, like Genesis 4, 1, it says that Adam knew his wife and she conceived. And, and that word knew is yada. And so it just, I know that's kind of a graphic concept, but the point is that he, he was intimately acquainted with her, okay? And so not to get weird on that, but the purpose of that word that we need to understand is that God connects his heart to the thing that he's knowing in this way. Does that make sense? And to the level where he empathizes, where he... He, he feels what the people are feeling, so his heart's moved for this. It's compassion. You guys awake this morning? Yeah. All right. All right, so, so God is intimately acquainted with the entire world and in, in, in the situations that's going on in the world. So he, he's hearing the cries of bondage. He hears the cries of bondage, and and his heart's moved. He's feeling the pain of the people. And, and God is intimately acquainted with you. Amen? And we need to, in this picture, we need to see God in heaven, like literally beholding his people that he loves and feeling their pain with them. Feeling their pain to a degree of saying, I'm going to do something about this now. All right? And so... If you if you take that picture of God in heaven looking upon the people and he's like, i I'm going to solve this problem. I've already got it solved, and I'm gonna step into the situation, I'm gonna fix it. Okay? And then you, you you do a flashback in the chapter before that, or maybe it's earlier in that same chapter, it talks about Moses being born. He's a firstborn son. All right? And and the mom saw how how special he was. And so she created a, a, a bed for him. They called it an ark to put him in it. And she put him in a river because they actually wanted them to sacrifice the babies in the Nile River and all the tributaries. So she puts the baby in a basket in the river, not to kill him, but to protect him. And the Lord's power was on him to preserve his life. And, and when we see that picture of God standing in heaven, and he's looking at his people suffering. He, he's, he's feeling their pain. He's hearing the cries of their heart. And he sees the bondage. And he sees the injustice that's being done on them. And he's, he's saying, I feel for this. And I've got to do something about it. And decades before that, he already had a baby born that he preserved from being killed because the king was after him. You guys see that? So do you guys think that it it was just a mere coincidence that Moses showed up at that time? No, God had foresight and he put a person who was going to be the great deliverer of God's people in the form of a baby. Who the devil wanted to murder all the firstborn sons because he knew that God would raise up a deliverer. And the Lord protected him And kept him safe and didn't allow harm to come to him so that he could preserve his life and raise him to eventually become the the God's man who he's gonna bring a solution to the problem of the world. Come on. That's amazing. So, you got to see God in heaven looking at this situation, and, and, and he sees brokenness, he sees darkness, he sees pain and suffering, and he has compassion. His heart's moved, it's moved so much that he, he's, he's invested to seeing this thing get broken and them and get set free. So he has Moses born, and he protects him from infanticide. There's divine protection and preservation, and he raises him up. And I don't remember how long later it was, but when he was an adult, he's out in the, in the desert tending his father-in-law's sheep, right? Because he was a shepherd. And, and out there just minding his own business, and all of a sudden, at nighttime, he noticed out of the corner of his eye there's a bush that's on fire, And he must have been out there long enough to to know that it didn't burn up. Okay? That takes a little while. He must have known that but didn't really give it much attention. But then after a while, he realizes that thing is not burning up. I'm going to get interested now. And he turns to it, and he walks to it, and then God speaks to him. From the midst of the bush. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he told him to take his shoes off, because this is holy ground. So he comes there in the holy presence of the Lord, and God speaks to him. It's, It's Exodus 3, verse 7 through 10. It says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I want you guys to just to repeat this with me. I have seen their oppression. I have heard their cry. I have, I, I have known their sorrows. Again, that word known, yada. I don't just know it by information. I know it because I'm in it with you, and I'm feeling it with you, and I'm, my heart's broken with you, yada. Amen. <laughs> Verse 8, it says, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians. I want you to think about that. God, not just distant in heaven in the holy place, but he sees the pain and the brokenness of the people, and so he doesn't stay there, I have come down to them. Come on. He's not a distant God. He comes right into our mess with us. Amen? Amen. Came down to deliver them and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. <clears throat> I want you to declare this: I came down to deliver you from bondage. I, I'm, I'm saying, I'm having you say it in first person because I want you to see God's responsiveness. All right, I want you to see it through His eyes. I've come down to deliver you from bondage. To, uh, repeat this, to bring you up into my blessing. All right? So he came to the bondage to bring you out of the bondage. But he didn't just want to bring you out of the bondage. He wanted to take you into the place of blessing. Okay? So the great deliverer is to rescue and, and break bondage off our lives. But he doesn't stop there. He tries to bring us into the fullness of all the bounty of his kingdom. Can anybody say hallelujah? hallelujah? Verse 9 Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression from which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the, king, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. All right, so the Lord yadas his people in their pain. He hears the cry. His heart is moved. He, he's, he, he has to step onto the scene to rescue his people who are being tormented with injustice. That's amazing. Amen. So so he's compassionate. He's merciful. He's good. Amen. He's ready to solve the problem. He's ready to step onto the scene and he's ready to restore all things. That's God. amen. He says, I have come down. I have come down. He's not just looking at the problem. He's not just saying, you go do that for me. No, I have come down. I'm going to work through you, but I'm here. And he shows up in the burning bush in his midst. He shows up on the mountain of Sinai, in the midst of the people. He shows up in the tabernacle. He shows up with the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. He's amongst his people, delivering them. Hallelujah. Come on. And he's right there with the great deliverer that he raised up. Amen? Amen. It's pretty amazing. And God's not distant. He comes in close. And, And I also want to say this, that when God was... Feeling the pain of the people, it wasn't just collectively, I care for my nation, this big group of people. I'll do this as long as there's at least a million families. That's, that'll make it worth it. No, he's looking at the individual, the individual broken soul. Caring for each single one. Does this story sound familiar? The story of Moses is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ coming into our midst. And, and, and so we, we look at that to capture perspective. Doesn't mean we worship Moses, but we, we capture perspective so we can understand God's view on the situation. So that little baby, Moses, was God's chosen deliverer to save his people from bondage and to bring them into the promised land. It's a type and a shadow of Jesus who came as a baby. That's crazy. And I was thinking about this. It's kind of ironic that that with Moses, he was in Egypt, and the ruler of Egypt started killing firstborn. And so God had to rescue him. But then you got Jesus, who is in the promised land, and the ruler is trying to kill the firstborn. So the Lord has them escape there, and where do they go? Egypt. Egypt. How crazy is that? It's backwards. But to me, it just shows that the Lord sent Jesus to bring a great reversal of the works of Satan. So this whole thing is a it's a prophetic picture of the Father meeting with the pre-incarnate Christ in preparation for a great deliverance. So like Moses standing there, hearing the heart of God at the fire. I just I want you just kind of it's similar but not the same, right? Because Jesus is God, and he was his heart was already vested in this from the beginning. But I just want you to see that the picture of Jesus pre-incarnate. And the Father standing there looking at the world and hearing the cries of the people, broken, suffering and sorrow, bondage, under the lordship of Satan, whether they want it or not, hearts breaking in God, feeling the pain of the people, knowing the loss that they're experiencing, knowing that they have lost more than they would ever even know that they've lost feeling that pain, having compassion. I insert myself into their pain right now so that I can rescue them and restore all things. So then we want to look, we want to we kind of get God's view of the situation because where is God coming from in this? He's coming from what he intended from the very beginning that got stolen all right, so before Satan ever had any dominion on this earth, this was a good place. And God created man, and, and it says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? Well, it's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, right? Together, we're going to make man in our image. And so God was creating humanity. He wanted to give them dominion and rulership on this earth. It goes on, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over these different things. Okay, basically dominion over the entire earth. All right? That's a pretty cool plan. And in Luke 3.38, it's actually talking about the genealogy of Christ, whose father is, whose grandfather is, and it goes all the way to Adam. And it calls Adam... The Son of God. Whoa. That's awesome. This shows us that God wasn't just trying to create a human race so he could have a bunch of worshipers on the earth. God was creating sons and daughters because he was building a family. He's building a family. He's building oikos unto himself. Did you guys see this? His dream from the beginning was to be a father of beloved children. That's amazing. And so his plan was to create a family and then grow a family and then fill the entire earth with his family and through that bring his kingdom from heaven onto earth and expand it through his children so that he could have princes and princesses all over this earth who are his beloved children in whom he's well pleased (laughs) kingdom rulership a a kingdom that is peace and peace only he's the prince of peace that's who he is that's what his dream was. That's what he was building. That's amazing. And, and so he wanted his kids to, to be royalty on this earth and to, and to carry dominion. Powerful. I mean, in the, when you read the creation story, everything was good. Everything was good. He was, he was creating a place that everything was only good. And there was only one thing that God tried to protect them from, and that was the tree of what—the knowledge of good and what, good and evil. And so they already knew; they already had all that was good. He was trying to help them to to create this entire human race under the holiness and goodness of God, where there would never even be any knowledge of what evil even could be. That's amazing. That was his plan. And so but we know the story. And and we know the story that Adam and Eve got he got they got deceived by Satan. And and we know that. Like like they did the thing he said and they had no clue that they were signing up for something far bigger than a nice juicy peach type thing up there. (laughs) Had to have been a peach. (laughs) I guarantee it wasn't a date. That would not have been temptation, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but the, we know the story, right? But they, they had no idea that they were doing anything more than just trying to have a a nice meal. They they the, all but they knew that they were disobeying, but they didn't know that it was anything worse than that. But this, the, but Satan did. If I can get them. To obey me and to do what I'm saying, he knew that if they do that, they're actually foolishly and ignorantly yielding the entire kingdom over to him. And he didn't actually steal it because they legally handed it over to him. He cheated them, but it was legally his. If it wasn't, God would have taken it right back. God had to honor what was right or what was legal. Does that make sense? So they, they surrendered everything to Satan, and they did this before they ever had their firstborn. And so after they fell in sin and they, they, they found themselves naked and they're ashamed and all this, and, and then, and then they're, they're hiding from God for the first time they've ever hid from him. The, the, it used to be a union relationship and now all of a sudden they're realizing I need to separate myself from him so I can hide from him because I'm ashamed, right? And so Satan did a big work. He knew that he was doing something far worse than just a meal. And so he, he inherited humanity that gave birth to children under his lordship. And so the entire human race was raised under the domain of darkness. And so Satan was like the Pharaoh. And his his rulers and whatever, his other fallen demons that were part of his kingdom became like the slave masters. And so the entire human race born into darkness, into slavery, into bondage, and and maybe people don't even know it. But God's looking in heaven, and he hears the cries of the people in pain, cries of the people in anguish, the cries of people who, who have depression or have broken hearts or whatever, whatever makes people cry, sicknesses and diseases that should have never existed, people dying, so people mourning the death of people that they love. And all this stuff, it, the world became corrupted because of this. And there's God standing there with Jesus pre incarnate and hearing the cries of the people and seeing the bondage that should have never been there. And he cares and he says, I want to come amongst my people. Hallelujah. And Satan even told Jesus, he, 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 when he was tempting him, he was trying to get him to bow to him. And he says, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I, and I can give it to whomever I wish. If so Satan was literally showing Jesus, this was legally handed over to me. He was talking about Adam and Eve. He had the domain. Did the lights just turn up? The, the glory of the Lord is... It's like the, like the angels showing up to the shepherds. And all through the New Testament, it talks about being in in bondage to corruption and in the kingdom of darkness and how Jesus delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, right? But the the Lord, you just got to see that picture pre-Christmas, right? You can even be thinking about Christmas Eve. Well, not really. I guess it would have been about nine months and a day before that. (laughs) Got to do my biological math here. Nine months before this. There, what does that make it March 25th? I'm just joking. You don't want me to get on a bunny trail? Okay. But, <laughs> thanks but, the, but there's Father and Jesus looking at the Earth, and, and I care. I can't see them suffer any longer. I have to do something about this, right? And so there they are, and they're, and they're, they're ready to step into the scene. Where am I at? All right, so, so here's the pre-incarnate Jesus and the Father, and there's actually, um, in the Old Testament, and some of it's repeated in the New Testament, there, there are prophetic words that, that prophesy about Jesus coming. And I just want you to get this picture, like Jesus and the Father were fully involved with those prophetic declarations. So, like, you, you could actually look at it kind of like God speaking over pre incarnate Jesus this is who you are, this is what we are. And you know, with God, there's no time, right? So, God's like declaring over Jesus this is who you are, this is what you're gonna do, this is what it's gonna be. And, and, to, and to them, it's already happening. Because they live in the timeless realm. But to us, it hasn't happened yet. So they, they, they let the prophets hear their prophetic utterances. And then they prophesy them and write them in the book. Right? And so Hebrews brings up a few of these declarations. And it says, it says in Hebrews 1, 5, and 6, it says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, who's the firstborn? Excuse me? A couple of you are doing pretty good. Yeah, that's exactly who we're talking about today. Good job. (laughs) Thanks. We're talking about Jesus, the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Firstborn. Think about that. Firstborn. Born, right? Talking about that that that's Christmas Day. Firstborn, right? Firstborn. But you gotta also think about firstborn. Firstborn. He's gonna be born into this earth so that he could be the firstborn. If he's the firstborn, that means there's gonna be other people born following him. And Jesus came because he wanted to get a whole bunch of people born again. Hallelujah. In Psalms 110, 1, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So that was a prophetic declaration over Jesus that, that after he comes as a baby and he raises he, he grows up and he's gonna be crucified, resurrected, and guess what? After that, we're gonna make the enemy. We're gonna make Satan, who, who has all these people in bondage, we're gonna crush him, put him under our feet, and make him a footstool for us to rest our feet on. Prophetic declarations. Talking over each other before Jesus even came into Mary. All right. And then in Hebrews 10, 5 and 7, 5 through 7, therefore he came into the world, and he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. A body You have prepared for me. That's amazing. So Jesus wasn't going to just come in the deity form and save the people, invisible God. No, he prepared a body for me. He was fashioned in the womb of his mother, miraculously in a virgin. That's crazy, isn't it? And in 1 Peter 1, 18-21, it talks about how uh, nothing can redeem you except um, the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Everybody say the Lamb of God. He indeed was foreordained before the, world, before the foundation of the world. Foreordained. So you've got to think about this. Preincarnate Jesus. With the Father in heaven, and the Holy Spirit too, already having decided, I'm going to do this because I know it's coming. Come on. That's amazing. So he was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifest in these last times for you who believe. Wow. So in the heavens, it was already done. And then on the earth, it came later, right? That's yeah. so amazing. On, on earth as it is in heaven, right? Because Revelation 13.8 says that it says the, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I want you guys to hear that. that. Before the foundation of the world was even created, Jesus was already the lamb who was slain. That's crazy. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. In the spirit realm, he already was crucified. <laughs> before, before Adam and Eve ever even sinned. He, he, he already provided the full payment for a sin that hadn't even been committed yet. It's incredible. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Jesus doesn't just do things in heaven and leave it there. He's he's manifesting what he does in heaven on earth into our midst. And that's Jesus having come through a virgin as a baby so he could be raised into a man who could be crucified on the cross and then resurrect. (laughs) and in Philippians 2 5 through 11 well I'll just read part of it I think it says let this mind be in you which was also in Jesus Christ who being in the form of God so that means Jesus literally was God he still is he always has been but being in the form of God he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God why? Because he was God. But he made himself of no reputation. So he actually chose the most esteemed and glorified person that's ever existed. He decided, I'm going to take away my reputation. I'm going to lay my reputation down. Okay. And taking the form of a bond servant. Wow. Not just, a, not just an earthly king. I'm going to I'm going to take the form of a bond servant coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. And then he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. He went low and then he went lower and then he went lower and then he went lower. And the cross was the, was the execution of, of the fools of the earth. You guys all right? Jesus has never ceased from being God, but he decided on his own will to strip himself of every attribute of deity. So his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, laid it down and submitted himself by choice to be Encompassed by a human body and raised as a human with human limitations. At any given time, he could have taken it back and done deity stuff. <laughs> he could have. But, but, the, but that was part of his ultimate sacrifice. I can, I choose not to. Every day, I can, I choose not to. Coming in as a human, he came in as a pooping baby. Needing his mom to wipe that thing, maybe his dad did occasionally too. Who knows? Back then, I know now we do. <laughs> but, but, but he submitted himself to humil- humility. Right, baby Jesus, baby Jesus. It's amazing. He didn't come just to be baby Jesus. Didn't come just to give us a nice holiday. He came on a mission, right? He came when when he stepped from heaven into the womb through the Holy Spirit. He came knowing I'm going to give a lot of things up for a while, but I'm doing it so I'm driven with passion to save my people. To save my people looking at a world that's broken and corrupt and falling apart and in bondage to Satan. I'm going to come. I'm going to save my people, and I'm going to set them free, and I'm going to deliver them out of bondage, but we're not staying there. I'm going to deliver them into the blessings and lavishness of my kingdom. Hallelujah. That's amazing. So it's the great reversal. He came to set us free from all the things that Satan Dead to humanity to try to rape and pillage and destroy. He came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, life more abundantly. That's Jesus, baby Jesus, cradled by his mom. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. He came to become our substitute. He came to, to take away from us something we could never get rid of on our own. He inserted himself into humanity so that he could do the transfer. So he can remove from you something you'll never get re- be able to remove on your own and absorb it into himself. The sin and the sinful nature and all the corruption, everything that comes with it, sickness and disease and poverty, brokenness, broken relationships, um, shame and, and depression and all the things that, that weigh humanity down take it into his body and crucify it on the cross so that he could be resurrected from the dead in a new, purified, whole body again because he's bringing us into his body and making us one with him so that we're dying to those things too, given new birth into a new life that's kingdom. Come on. That's what Jesus came for. That's the reason for the season. We are singing the song, O Holy Night, and it says the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Pining is not anything to do with a pine tree, just so you know. <laughs> I used to think so. It never made sense to me. Like, what in the world are we singing? I just do it because it's... Nice, pining—it means to suffer a mental and physical decline, especially because of a broken heart. So the long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Whoa, that's amazing! Like God hears that he heard the cries of his people. He sees the distress of the people and he says, he says, I, I know your pain. I yada, the pain, I yada, the bondage that you're experiencing. I care. I care enough to not just try to get somebody else to help you. I will come and I will help you. I'm going to change it all. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And the, the soul felt its worth. Whoa. Like, like we feel like we're trash. And he comes and he says, No, you're everything to me. I, I love you so much. I don't just want to save you, I want you back with me. Come on. It says, Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in His name, all oppression shall cease. That is a powerful song, because it's not just baby Jesus melody. Like let's let's just listen to the the little baby who never cries. (laughs) It's Silent Night, and like I love those songs, I do. But this song, it shows you all about why Christmas came. It's because He came to set the captives free. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus is called the Lamb of God. And, and John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Right? And then we read verses about Jesus and his ministry like Acts ten thirty eight says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's amazing. That's why Jesus came, not, not just to cast a demon out somebody, but to but to break the rulership of Satan off of humanity and set us free so that we can have none of that over us anymore, and we can come into the kingdom of God's goodness and light. Hallelujah. So why did God give us Christmas? Is it, is it so we could have an amazing holiday? This is my favorite holiday. Was it so we can have some good eggnog? I like it. Not too much. Or it'll make me sick. Or to give us great Christmas movies and Christmas songs or Christmas presents. I love them. Or, or, the, or to give us a season of kindness and generosity as if the other 11 months don't count for that. You know what I'm saying? Or was it even to give us a, a, a nativity story? Like, yeah, that's, a, that's beautiful and we want to worship Jesus. The nativity story is a monument to worship the Lord and to recognize the sacrifice that he did. It started on that day, right? It's amazing, but, but that's not the ultimate thing here. And so he, Jesus gave us Christmas because he, he came to set the captives free. That's why. So that he could restore humanity and set us free from bondage Torment and eternal destruction. And, And ultimately, though, he came because he wanted his family back. Do you hear me? He came to get his kids back. That's why he came. He's a family God. He created sons and daughters so he could build a family on this earth and then have us for eternity in heaven with him. And back when we lived in Reading, I remember this one evening, I, I ran to the grocery store, and I was coming home, and I was driving over the railroad tracks. And right when I got on that track, I heard the father speak to my heart, and he said, I want my kids back. I want my kids back. I started thinking, Lord, what do you, what do you mean? And and I started realizing he's talking about all his sons and daughters that, uh, that have become orphans in this world, spiritual orphans separated from a father, and he's loved them, and he's been the prodigal father this whole time for millions of people, billions. I want my kids back. He wanted everybody. He created it so he could have everybody. I want my kids back. And that's what the Lord's doing. That's what Jesus gave us for Christmas so God could get his kids back. Come on, guys. It's amazing. (laughs) And he was born in a manger. He was born in a manger so he could die on a cross. Jesus came to restore the children to the Father to get his oikos get his kids back. Amen? And to bring healing and to bring wholeness and to set captives free to save the lost. That's why he came. So he had to die on the cross and resurrect, but he had, in order to do that, he had to be a perfect and sinless man or it wouldn't have counted. So so to do that, he had to live a 33 years worth of saying no to all these things that his flesh would have craved to do because he was tempted in every way and he turned it down every time at the suffering of the loss that he had to say no to. Or else it wouldn't have been temptation. So sacrifice all through that. He, he couldn't have done that if he wasn't born on this earth and if he wasn't born through a virgin, Okay so that he could take on human flesh. He couldn't have done that unless he laid down his deity attributes to submit himself into humanity so that he could do all these things. That's why Jesus came on Christmas morning. Okay? Jesus came as the Lamb of God, born in a stable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren, right? He was born amongst us so that we could become born again. He was the son of He's the Son of God who became the Son of Man so that he could help us who are sons and daughters of man so that we could become sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now I just want to encourage you guys right now. We're gonna in a moment, we're going to close, and we're going to do that song again, oh Holy Night, because I, I, want us to, I want us to sing it looking at this through God's lens, all right? Remembering God like he, like he was at the burning bush with Moses. I hear the cry of my people. They're in bondage. I, sh- I came to be amongst them so we can rescue them. I want us to take that prophetic picture and see it worldwide. That's Jesus coming to this earth. Amen? I want us to look up, you guys can come on up and get you in your spots. I want us to look at the, the brokenness and the bondage and the war and destruction all around us and just kind of see it from God's perspective, the results of, of cor- the corruption that mankind is suffering because of satanic rulership. You guys see that? Is anybody still awake? <laughs> all right. Let's see it through God's eyes, and, and he came to deliver and redeem and restore all things. Amen? So let's, let's do this song, and whoever's on the ministry team, I'm going to have you guys um, come up as soon as the song, like when the song's coming to an end. Can you just pray us out when, you're, when you get sure. to the end of it? So we're just going to worship Jesus. I want you guys to see baby Jesus while we do this song and see deeper in this is why you came this is what Christmas is all about alright you guys good? Yeah. alright love you.
1: I need keys Oh holy night Jesus. stars are brightly shining As sweet hymns of- Thank you so much for coming in the form of a baby, Jesus. We thank you for all that that means for us, that we are your sons and your daughters. And as we go out this week, we ask that you would make the words from this song true to us, that our souls, that we would feel our worth, that we would see ourselves as you see us, Lord, perfect, happy to be celebrating your birth and joyful as we celebrate one another in our family. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.